Liberty on the abyss of the gospel. Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty whereas Christ has made you free. A spiritually minded man will never come to you with a demand, believe this and that, but with a demand that you square your life with the standards of Jesus. I have been trying to get you all to square your lives with the standards of Christ. I'm not trying to come to you and, and talk to you how you need to do this, you need to do that, because it's not relevant. What's relevant is you need to get before God, you need to get your life squared up. That's why I love that message this morning, that little, the, the, the little uh, come to Jesus meeting, right? We need that. I think that's beautiful. You go get in between God and Jesus and let, let them bring you to a come to Jesus meeting and fix, fix up the stuff that's in the past, the present, and the future in your life. Now, the challenge is, is oh, that's really great information. You walk away and you won't listen to a damn thing we said. And that's the challenge I'm having. I'm asking you, I'm trying to get you to square your lives, and you will not do it. And why would someone not do what would be good for them? You need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor right now. You've got an infection or you've got cancer, and it's going to kill you if you don't go. Well, okay, and you still don't go. Why would you not go? Well, I don't like doctors. Um, you like life? Because if you don't go, it's about over. So if this is between life and death, maybe you ought to go to the doctor. Well, I'm telling you, this is life and death, and maybe you ought to go to the Lord, and you ought to square yourself as soon as you can, because you've got too much nonsense, too much wishy-washy behavior, things said never followed through on, things talked about and never done. You know, go, oh, God, he's talking to me. Yeah, I am talking to all of you, because this isn't one of you. This is all of you. You've got a whole bunch of nonsense you let run and rule your life, and you might have moments of, of glory but that is not, a moment of glory doesn't have anything to do with the life of Christ. That's a moment of glory in you. Why not have the life of Christ and be completely free as he created you to be? But that's going to have to be on the abyss, the endless nature of the glory of God. Not on your pragmatic ideas of how you're going to fix things and you're going to advise on how, how it worked for you and how, what you're willing to do, what you're not willing to do and how this all ought to look. I mean, you need to shut up. You need to give your life to Christ and let him, let him guide you and lead you through this mess. We're not asked to believe the Bible. But we're asked to believe the one whom the Bible reveals. The scriptures is 100% testimony of a bunch of people that saw him, which ought to bear witness to us in confirmations of things we're going through and create a relatability about what? Who Christ was and who he can be for me too. You know, one of my favorite verses is when he says, you're going to go forth and do greater things than I did. I mean, by God, I've read the Bible through as many times as I have. New Testament, 500 times. Probably easy. Easy, 500 times. And I look at this thing, and I've been shocked and awe. And then he goes, but you're going to do, do greater things than those. So, you think I'm not focused on greater things? No, I'm focused on getting to know this guy that's just been revealed through the New Testament over and over and over and over again. So that if he does say, oh, by the way, I would like for you to do this, which would be greater than he did, I'll be aware because I'll know him. I'll have an intimate knowledge of him. And when he speaks, I'll know he's talking to me. It's not about me chasing down greater things, but me chasing greater levels and greater depths of him. That's what's going to reveal things, not what you can go do. And then ask what, God to bless it? I love that movie, uh, Kingdom Heaven. God wills it. Oh, really? How do you know? You know? And it seemed like they were God willing. They would go do whatever they wanted to go do. 
And somehow it didn't turn out very well for him. One of the guys ended up on a walk, you know, right backwards on a jackass, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mister, I think I'm everything. We're called to the present liberty of conscience, not liberty of voice, of view. You don't get to have a freedom of point of view. You get a liberty of conscience. Is your conscience right with God? Is your conscience right within you? If we are free with the liberty of Christ, others will be brought to that same liberty. The liberty of realizing the dominance of Christ. How he's in charge of everything in that person's life. And you see that person and go, yeah, everything he deals with is God, but it doesn't necessarily look like God's in charge. Because it looks like, oh my gosh, look what he does. He does this, he does that, he does these other things. But then when you get to know him and get around him, you go, but he doesn't get caught up in all that stuff. So it's obviously, he, he's doing exactly what God's telling him to do. But when he's doing it, look how it's turning out for him. What, no different than it turn out for you. But you don't want to show up and find out. So you keep living in that shed. I talked about earlier, shed mentality. My mindset is doing all things for the glory of God. Why? I got a mansion being built. Right? And he goes, believe me, when I tell you I'm going to go do that, I'm going to go do that. Well, who do you think is going to get the mansions? The ones that did whatever they wanted to do here on earth? The ones that did everything they could do to, to be the, you know, uh, a man or woman after God's own heart. I want to be the man, in my case, after God's own heart. I want to do things to the glory of God and have him be glorified in everything I touch because he's ordained it, anointed, and it's ready to go. Then he gets all the glory. I don't want anything. I don't even want to be known in these things. I want to be part of a, a bigger process, which is the life of Christ, not the life of me. Because the life of Christ, if I build on that, it goes on forever, doesn't it? Life of me has got an end coming. I don't want to be, be cognizant of my life. I want to be cognizant of the life of Christ, which has a never end to it. Always keep your life measured by the standards of Jesus. Bow your neck to his yoke only, alone, and no other yoke whatsoever. Don't bow yourself to any other authority, any other ideas, especially none of your own. Give yourself and bow yourself to what he has said and what he has said. And if you don't get it, stand still until he, until he happens to way, find a way to, to teach you up and, and grow you up and make you aware. He will do that if you're going to sit back and wait for him. Lord, I hear what you're saying, but I don't get it. One of the things I loved about one of the Glenn Jackson, I think it was from yesterday, uh, two days ago, that he has no problem bringing confirmations to you so that you're fully assured of what's going on if it's according to his will and purpose. He understands he's asking you to do certain things that are above and beyond your understanding and your, your awareness. So I says, you know, in all your ways, you know, don't leave your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. Well, if I'm acknowledging him and not leaving my own understanding, so my understanding is aside, that means he, I'm going to have to acknowledge him and he's got to show me, then confirm to me so I can go do what he said to go do. So whose understanding is it? His. But I have to make myself available for his understanding. Otherwise, I'm still running on my own and it won't work. Bow your neck to his yoke alone and no other yoke whatsoever. Be careful to see that you never bind a yoke on others that is not placed by Christ. As I said, I'm not here going to beat you up and talk about what you, how you ought to fix what you're doing. I'm going to tell you right now, get before Jesus. You know, and I'm telling you what, what he's talking to me about and telling you what he's doing. You know, I'm just telling you what I see and then you've got to fix that. But if you don't want to fix it, you want to continue on and be a fool, I need you to be very aware of one thing. We're coming. And I happen to have the sort of wrath here. And as Miss Erica so politely realized the other night, I gave it back to him. 
And I did. And I told him, you give it to me when you want me to do what I got to do. Because I don't want to go do what, what I think I need to do. I want to go do what you tell me to do. So I'm going to give you the sword back. Thank you for the sword of wrath to, to, to bring, you know, uh, vengeance in, in this world out of Romans 13. I'm going to give it back to you and say, you, you, when you're ready, when you see that something is time for that wrath to be poured out, you want me to fix a problem, you hand it back to me. And you make me aware. Because I'm not going to carry out the sword of wrath and with an idea that I know what the hell I'm doing. I don't want to know. I don't want to know nothing but Jesus Christ and crucified. And when he says, go get him, he says, sick him, I'll sick him. Outside of that, I'm waiting upon him. What about you? The power and authority he's giving me, and I'm giving it all back to him. What about you? The things he's trying to do with you, are you giving it back to him? Or are you still hanging on to him? Are you a Klingon? You know, made movies about you, right? Yeah. So the question is, is get out of that, that mindset and start giving it back to God and say, God, I'm going to give you back what you gave me. And when it's time, you tell me how you want me to use it. And pretty soon, he'll start realizing, wow, you really are subject to me. Oh, Lord, I'm not. Maybe really are. I, I'm, I absolutely am. I don't want to do anything that's not subject to you. Why? Because, what, I want to go out there and, and do something outside of the will of God and I want to be accountable for that? No, 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 no. I don't want to do anything outside of the will of God. So you give it back to him. Now, Sadly, this, this is a message that's been lost. Preachers and teachers don't teach it anymore. They give you some warm, fuzzy, you know, chicken noodle soup stuff, and it's not going to work. I'm going to throw a big old piece of beef up on that plate and say, get your knife, get your fork, but here's how it works. You don't take a bite. You don't, you don't cut a bite until he tells you to. You cut it off the side, he tells you to cut it off him, and you eat it when he tells you to eat it. But you will be a steak eater. You will be meat eater in the kingdom of God. One that has the power and the authority of the, of the anointing and the, and the ordination of God. I'll be a meat eater all day long. He's not going to let you starve. He's not going to let you just stand there. He's going he's to see you as a vessel of honor and he will use that to his glory. It takes God a long time to get us out of the way of thinking that unless everyone sees as we do, they must be wrong. That is never God's view. There's only one liberty, the liberty of Jesus at work in our conscience, enabling us to do what is right. Long as I, my conscience is clear with God and I go before God a lot, a daily a lot, um, I, as long as my conscience is clear, then I'm good. Do I care what anybody else says or thinks? No, I, I realize I'm going to be a spectacle. I'm going to be out in front and, I'm, and, he, and he's going to make, make a spectacle out of me. Why? Because I'm going to do what he says. And then you're going to see it all unfold to the glory of God and go, Wow, it really was God. Yes, it really was. Regardless of what you thought. No matter, no matter how, you, how you judged me or how you discerned what you think you said, I'm going to do what God said to do. And God will be all over it. And the more I do that, the more powerful the messages become, the more ordained that my life is, more anointed, my anointing is to help people get healed, everything. Well, do you think any of that's possible to a man that's not living after God? No. no. So that's a, that's a precious gift or a package of gifts, okay, that God's given that I make sure that I only use when he says, use them. Long way to get people into, you know, 
get, get people to take a look at their own life and walk it that way. But it's not for me to tell you what that is. It's for you to figure it out and me help you through it. That is never God's point of view. There's only one liberty, liberty of Jesus Christ to work in our conscience, enabling us to do what is right. Don't get impatient, which is most people's problem. Are we there yet? How many more minutes? You know? How many more minutes are we there yet? Right? Car, you guys are not, not old enough to have kids in your car. Okay? Yeah. You know, craziest thing in the world. How many more minutes? How long is it, it going to take? You know? It's like, oh my. Shh. Go to sleep. Right? Remember how God dealt with you. Oh boy. With patience and gentleness. But never water down the truth of God. I will never water down the truth. You're getting the truth full. If there's such a thing as, as uh, uh, 190 proof, you're getting 190 proof. Okay? Straight up. Let it have its way and never apologize for it, and I won't. Jesus said, go and make disciples, not converts to my opinion. I don't have an opinion. I've taught you many, many things, and I've had 100% backup in Scripture to say, you see what it says. You don't got to listen to me. You see what it says. And if it says what, what I am saying it says, then you're good to go. But you'll have to see it for yourself. Because tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, you're the one that's going to have to share that, not me. I'm not going to, hey, Pastor, can you come help me this guy? No, it's not my job. You grab him, you talk to him. <laughs> you know, I want to talk about eschatology. Well, then go for it. But I, I want to be sure. Um, I'm sorry, I thought we did through, I thought we went through all this already, right? Thought you knew all these verses, knew what it was. And so you did, but now you forgot. Well, why would you forget? If I told you that was, that was 83 or 84% of the scripture's um, power was in the eschatology part of the scriptures, and you decided to forget it. So you don't want to go to heaven. You don't want to remember the things I taught you. Well, I'd like to have another, I'd like to have another conference. I'll bet you would. What are you doing in your life today that would warrant me giving another conference? You were at a place that you were, in, when I gave them in the past, you were at a place that you wanted the information because you wanted to get your life right, you wanted to get your life right, you wanted to get your life right. And we were on a roll. We were doing pretty good at getting people's life right, you know. And with eschatology helped a lot and got a lot of people. And then all of a sudden, you guys are all self all pumped up thinking you, you'd already been delivered and you were ready now and you can go do whatever you want to go do. And you went right back to your old nonsense. Many, many people have gone back to that old nonsense, right? Yes. Guys that were saved out of their nonsense and saved for righteousness' sake have gone back to their unrighteousness. And they're now suffering and struggling in the world because they walked away from the truth. So I'm saying for a whole bunch of people that now we're saying, we need to get clean this up again, get back track, get in the inner chamber, get with God, get your life straight. Get the, go to that come to Jesus meeting Glenn Jackson's talking about and get it right. Let's get that done. Okay? And then when you're ready, if I see that you're sincere... I have no problem doing another conference where a bunch of people really genuinely want to know. But if you're looking for go to a conference just so you can have some information and, and you're going to corrupt it like you're already corrupting the scriptures now, I'm not giving nothing to you. I'm not putting my pearls before swine. I spent my life doing this for the last 20 some years. That's all I do. You don't get the benefit of all that I've done. To, to, to abuse it, corrupt it. You get the benefit of all that I've done to reveal it unto you to the level of you're going to walk this life out the way you're supposed to. If I don't see you're genuinely sincere, you're not going to get it. And that's just the way it's going to be. 
God says do it tomorrow, do it tomorrow, but he's not telling me to do it tomorrow. He's telling me, hey, don't put your pearls before swine. Bunch of people, they're not listening. They're, they're, they're coming in, ever learning, but never coming to the, 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 the measure of truth, right? I'm not interested in doing that. And what, bringing God's truth out here and, and, and putting it out in front of a bunch of people that aren't going to pay attention anyway? They're going to take some notes and get excited and talk about it for a minute, then they're going to forget it. How much have I forgot? None of it. Because it's, it's my life. It's who I am. Now, do you see me eschatology teaching and preaching about it all the time? But it's my life. So if it's my life and it's, in, it's part of all the, the overall relationship I have with God, I don't have to get out there and, 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 and try to be, you know, be, be you know, cock of the walk and, and preach down every street corner talking to people about this. I will do it when God says to do it, but the information does what? It keeps me aware. I see the sign of the times. I know what to look for. I know how to read the different things that are brought up and different, you know, uh, scriptures or different teachings, and I can tell you whether they're of God or not. Why? Because I know what he says. And you count on that. That's why you come here. But I think you count on that so that I know and as long as you got a, a, a hand on my shirt tail, you're good. No, you're not good. You don't get to cross out of this world into the next world on my shirt tails. When the pearly gates open up, if I get to walk through that gate, you don't get to go in on my shirt tail unless he stops you and goes, who are you? And if, uh, if I end up going across that, that line and, and, and you don't get in, you, you know, the only other option there is is hell. Why? Because you didn't listen to what I was teaching you. Romans chapter 1, verse 16. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, of Christ. For it is the power of God and the salvation to everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written. The just shall live by faith. So the, if we want to find our liberty based on the abyss of the gospel. I want to do one thing today. I want you to stop looking at liberty. You keep wanting to talk about freedom. I want to get set free. And, and even the message. Stand fast in the liberty wherefore you have made free. Well, stand fast in the liberty, the freedom, or stand fast in the abyss of the gospel that gave you freedom. We got to go back to the core and find out what is this freedom based on? It's not based on you getting to do whatever you want to do and going, I'm free. You know, you got to get based on this and be able to be soundly planted in Christ Jesus. The only way it comes. So I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I need that abyss of that gospel in me. Abyss. What do I mean? In that, when was the last time we came to a final understanding of a verse? Yeah, no. Never. Never. And every time you read it, it changes, doesn't it? Yeah. It's the living word. One minute you read it, you read it a hundred times. Next year you read it, you go, oh my gosh, where's that? I've read this Bible so many times. Where'd that come from? Because God is speaking through his word and confirming what you're going through. All of a sudden there's a ha, a ha, a ha everywhere. It's like going to a 4th of July and watching the fireworks go up, right? Bam, bam, bam. All of a sudden the finale is coming up, right? And we're going to start seeing it all. What we're in the middle of right now is that finale. Why? Because we're seeing God's grace and glory every day in everything. Which is mean, this, is, this final finale is only going to last so long and then it's going to be over. You're all going, oh, pretty. <laughs> now, guys, I appreciate the pretty part, but if we ain't doing what we're supposed to do, it's going to be pretty ugly. Let's get our lives right, right? 
Romans chapter 2, verse 1. You, therefore, are inexcusable, O man. Whosoever are you that judges, for wherein you judge another one, condemn yourself. For you that judge, do the same things. You want to walk around and check on people. What, do you, what right do you have to check on people? It's like me. Do I walk around and check on you all the time? No, I walk around sometimes looking at you going, hey, how you doing? You go, oh, oh yeah. So uh, you know, that moment you're going through right now is what I'm talking about. Right? Okay, so um, I, I've been noticing and I've been waiting to see if you're going to reconcile that moment, but you didn't. So now that, that moment where you're all freaked out right now is the one that uh, I've been watching to see, wow, this is going to get ugly if they don't get straight. So what do I do? I step in and go, hey, how's it going? And instantaneously you go, uh-oh, he sees. Well, did you think I didn't see when it started? I'm waiting to see if you're going to recover. And most of you don't. You know what you do? You go down that path of the ugly. Because that's all you've ever known. Okay? Well, it's not all you've ever known because I've seen you no more. It's all you've ever known since you, since you did that big failure flop in the last about two years ago. Did all that crazy crap you got caught up in, which was all worldliness. In a church, which, by the way, makes no sense in my absence. And then I come home and go, what in the world did you do? How in the world did you take what I taught you all these years and do this with it? And guess what? I don't have anybody's got an answer. All embarrassed and ashamed. Instead of going, you know, you're right. It was, I was an arrogant ass and I was stupid. I thought I could do whatever I want to do, and I got this problem going on, so I, I did this to try to make myself feel better and all this crap. Why? But, but Pastor, I'd like, I'd like to get that over. I want to stop that. I want to, I, want to, I want to get on with my life. I want that nonsense to be over and done. I want it to be a lesson learned, not a lesson relived, right? So I need it to be over with. Therefore, you are an excusable man when you judge others for the same things you do. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to the truth against them which commits this thing. We're pretty sure that what I'm judging them on is the truth. Well, did you look at a mirror? Do you line up with that truth first? Hmm. You think this old man that judges them do such things <clears throat> and does the same that you shall escape the judgment of God? Somehow you feel because you saw them doing it and you know that according to the truth that was wrong, um, you probably ought not, ought not to say nothing if you haven't straightened yourself out with God first. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? Who? Leads who? Not them, You. What's that? What's it saying right out of the chute? First of all, you're judging what you should not do. Then you're judging according to the things you're still doing, which you really should not do. And he goes, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to teach you all this stuff so ultimately you'll be brought to a repentance where you'll actually, actually turn around and not do any of this nonsense anymore. I want to get you right. But after the hardness and the impenitent heart treasures up itself wrath against the day of wrath or somehow another there's an indignation or righteousness in you, self-righteousness in you, that won't allow itself to judge another and then have to testify that I do the same thing. You think you're right. You think you're okay. it's okay for you to judge people and do the same thing. That's what's about wrath against their wrath. All of a sudden, I, I, I don't have to do that. You know, I've got the right to judge them. Oh, really? How many people do I judge? I'm the pastor of the church, and I do, and I helped every one of you for years, and I haven't done one thing that's judging none of you. Now, let's stop for a second. How many people in this room have judged others? Yeah. So the hardness and the impenitent heart treasures 
up thyself, wrath against the day of wrath, and the, the revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To whom? To them whom by patient continuance in well-doing, they seek for glory and honor and immortality and eternal life. But unto them that are contentious and don't obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, indignation, and wrath. So there's two different types of people. They want to obey my rights to myself or I want to obey to my obedience unto God. One or the other. Tribulation and anguish upon every soul of man that does that evil thing of self-righteousness, of the Jew first and also the Gentile. But glory, honor, peace to every man that works good to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. For there is no respect of persons. For as many as have sinned without the law shall perish without the law. As many have sinned in the law shall be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. For when the Gentiles... See, by the way, let's talk about law for a second. There's, there's two, two types of law. There's spiritual law and there's the natural law, right? The natural law is the commandments which said it's what God brought forth to make us all guilty. Spiritual law is let me, let me Lord God, all your heart, mind, body, soul, strength, your neighbors, yourself. So they're both law, but both different covenants. So what he's saying to you here is that they're perished without the law, which is talking about um, uh, as many have sinned in the law should be judged by it. So those are outside the law, the natural law, but in the spiritual law or walking still in the world, they're going to be judged by that. But those that are in the law, the, the, which would be the Jewish people that have the commandments, they're following, or any one of us that decide that I want to live by the Ten Commandments, um, I wouldn't suggest that, but good luck if, you, if that's what you decide. That reality of that is that you'll be judged by it if that's what you decide to do. And only one person all the time has ever been able to accomplish that, which is our Lord and Savior, who laid down his life for all of us so we wouldn't have to. Mm -hmm. So if you decide you want to pick up that baton and run with it, go, go ahead. Far be it for me to stop you. I'm just going to tell you it's not going to work for you. But you know, you'll have to find that out on your own, right? For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law shall be justified. So when the Gentiles, which have not the law, do by nature the things contained in the law, these, having not the law, are the law unto themselves. So... Gentiles are worldly people who don't have the law, but they understand the, the conscience, the, so they don't get wanting to make sure they have a clear conscience. By that, they're, they're working things out with themselves. And he goes, they're doing that. They don't even have the law. They don't even have the commandments. They don't have nothing right now. And they're doing a better job than so many people that have it, right? Yeah. Which show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience also bearing the witness, and their thoughts, meanwhile accusing or else excusing one another. In the day when God shall judge the secrets of men, by Jesus Christ according to my what? Gospel. gospel. So there's that abyss of the gospel working for us. Romans chapter 3 verse 9. What then? <laughs> Are we better than they? No and don't watch. We have before proved prove both Jews and Gentiles that they are all under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. There is none that seek that understands. There are none that seeks after God. They're all gone out of the way. They are all together become unprofitable. There is none that does good. No, not one. Their throat is an open sepulcher, a grave. And their tongues, they've used deceit and poison of asps is under their lips. Whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet, feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. The way of peace, they've not even known. There is no fear or reverence of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law says, it says unto them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. That's why the commandments were sent. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall no flesh ever be justified in his sight, for by the law is only the knowledge of the sin. 
So the, the knowledge of the sin came from the law. The gospel is what set us free. So we got to take our, our choice in that. Romans chapter uh, 3, verse 21. But now the righteousness of God without the law is being revealed or manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Even the righteousness of God, which is by the faith of Christ unto all and upon all of them that believe, for there is no difference. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But by the faith of Christ, who has not fallen short of the glory of God, we can be victors in this game. We can be brought through triumphantly. Amen. Being justified freely by the grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. So is going to make a way there is no way. Well, obviously, i got to tell you this, and God bless you all figure out where you're at. Hey, no way in heck God's going home. Damn it. Never. Where I came out of. But his grace came in. I accepted him for who he is and I've given my life to him. And through his grace, he's made a way for me to go home. And you think I'm going to think lightly of that or, or a shallow of that? You took my, my background, you cleaned me up and made this available to me. And all I got to do is my reasonable service is loving you with all my heart, mind, body, soul, and strength every day, which is really good for me in the long run anyway. Well, why wouldn't I do that? Because is, is there another way to get a ticket? Well, then I'm hanging on tight to the one I got. And how do you do that? Every day, in every moment, in every breath, you live the abyss of the gospel. Now, the crazy thing is that sounds like, oh my gosh, it's too much bondage. Really? I've never been more free in all of my life. You know why? I don't have a, I don't have a guilty conscience. I don't have to think about, well, I feel bad about what I did. and You know, like, like the whole thing with, with uh, the, the court cases and stuff that I went through. Like, what do you, do you, do you, do you regret this? I'd have done something, sure, <laughs> but I didn't do anything. So, you know, in, in reality, is do I regret that we're here? Yeah, I do, because I wish I'd have been smarter at the time or known more at the time, because I wouldn't have done these things. And that's that's the whole point. So, you know, if 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 you if you're out there doing the wrong thing, you're gonna be you're gonna feel guilty, right? If you've done nothing that is actually wrong, you'll have a clear conscience, or you're an arrogant ass, one way or the other. But Eric Nash would show up too, right? Yes. A man that's, that's got a, a liberty or a freedom in his conscience just keeps loving the Lord. The Lord keeps showing up, showing up, showing up, showing up, showing up. That, that's when you know you're there. And so what are you going to do to spoil that? Nothing. You're going to make sure you live your life by that from that point forward. Being justified freely by his grace with the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare the righteousness of this remission of sins that are passed through the forbearance of God. So to declare, I say, at this time, his righteousness, the faith of Christ, that he might be just and the justifier of him that believes in Jesus. Well, I'm believing Jesus. So where is the boasting then? Is it excluded by what? The law or of works? No, but by the law of faith. That I believe that by my faith, he has accomplished the laws. What's the two laws today? Love the Lord God with all my heart, mind, body, and soul, and strength. Love, love my neighbor unconditionally as I love myself. Right? Yes. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Is he the God of the Jews only? Is he not also the Gentiles, the people of the world? Yes, of the world also. Seeing as one God which shall, shall justify the circumcision by faith and uncircumcision through faith, do we then make void the law through faith? God forbid. We establish that law. Romans 4, 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, 
but through the righteousness of faith. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void or no use to any of us. And the promise becomes no effect. All the promises are, done, are empty. There's nothing there, right? If I could do this legalistically. Because the law works wrath. It's only going to get me spanked, right? It's only going to prove that I'm guilty of, of many, many, many things in any given moment, right? Where no law is, there's no transgression. So as long as I, I'm living in a, a life in Christ Jesus, I'm not caught up in the law. And so um, the reality is the guilt that would come from being contrary is not there. But he says, where there is no law, I know this is where, the, where, the, for the, for where the, no law is, there's no transgression. There's no way to prove that I'm doing something wrong. So people, before they realize or acknowledge the law, they're just doing whatever they can do, whatever they want to do. Nothing, there's nothing holding them back. Like, how can they do that? They don't have a conscience. They don't care. And it's worse now than it's ever been, right? Therefore, it is of faith that it might be by grace. I have faith in Christ that it might be by his divine influence, not by anything I can do except love him and love him and love him and love him. Why? Because the more I love him, the more grace I have, the more grace I have, the more I love him. Because he keeps making a way where there isn't one. So every time I, I get stuck or in a situation, go, oh, Christ, what's going to happen? God goes, I got this. And I like the fact that he's got it. How long do I have to wait? Usually not very long at all. Usually within minutes or hours, right? Therefore, it's faith that it might be by grace to the end and the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not that to only which is of the law, but that which is also the faith of Abraham. So Abraham's faith matters too. Who is the father of us all? As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations for whom he believed, even God, who quickens the dead and calls those things that be not as though they were. He quickens the dead. He resurrects us and he calls those things that are not through grace as they are. All of a sudden now, those places that we can't get to because of where we came from, we're going to get to. How crazy is that? Romans chapter 4, verse 13. We just did rendition. Oh, we just did that one. Sorry. So Romans chapter 5, verse 12. Sorry. I was on the right page. Just had to hit my... I had, see, you got, now I've got to push buttons on this thing over here. That's all new, right? I push a button. Oh, crap. I forgot a button. Okay, I'm lost anyway, right? I'm going to have to get a helper that can do that. Just you know, stand, over, stand, stand over here and press buttons. Button, button. Who's got the button, right? The abundant grace of Christ, wherefore was one by one man sin entered into the world, the death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all men have sinned. Right? Yes. For until the law, sin was in the world. But sin is not imputed when there is no law. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned of the same similitude, didn't have the same issue of eating fruit they weren't supposed to, of Adam's transgression, who's the figure of him that is, was to come. But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense one, for the offense of one, many be dead, much more the grace of God, the gift by grace, which is by one man Christ, has abounded to many also. And not as it was by one that sinned, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses to justification. One sin was he ate of the wrong fruit, right? That's where the whole, whole of mankind fell over a piece of fruit. But you and I haven't eaten a piece of fruit. We got a laundry list of stuff we should not have done, right? They're contrary to God. So by many offenses, we've been justified, okay? And it's abounded to us. For by one's man offense, death reigned. Much more they which receive abundance of grace of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, which is Christ. 
Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment was came upon all men in condemnation, even so the righteousness of one free gift came all to the justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. You notice how he keeps repeating himself and saying it differently? You know why? He knows you're thick. Okay? He, they remember that verse in, in, in Hebrews 5? You're dull of hearing. Well, I'm going to rep, rep, repeat this and be repetitious with a why. Because if I'm repetitious, it might sink in. I might come at the right angle and get you, right? Because he's saying the same thing over and over again. The same, same exact verse, but saying it in different ways so it clears our understanding, right? Yes. So moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. That as sin has reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness into eternal life by Christ our Lord. Amen. So what should we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Know you not that so many of us that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death that like... As Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we might now walk in a newness of life. And we would walk in the newness of life based on who Christ is. Verse 15, 615. What then? Again, shall we sin? Because we're not under the law, but under grace? God forbid. Know you not that whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey. Son of God or son of Satan. Whether you sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But God be thanked. That you were not, the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered unto you. Being made then free, liberated from sin, you became the servants now of righteousness. Not for a moment, but forever. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. I know that you're broken. Right? For as you have yielded your members servants unto uncleanness and iniquity unto iniquity, I understand that you're broken and you kept yielding to these things, but now I'm asking you to yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. So the reality is, you're broken, but you're broken on your discernment. Why is that? Why do I say discernment? Anybody know? Because you're yielding to one of two things. So if you yield to this, I got to change it to yield to the other. And the only thing you need is a discernment to know the difference between the two. To what to yield to. It's not like you're broken so bad you can't get there. You're broken so bad you can't see straight. You need glasses. We're going to get you some God goggles so you can see God's way. Okay? So you put the God goggles on. You see what's going on. Realize, I'm going to yield to one of these two things. That, that, this one I used to be yielding to doesn't work real well for me. Right? Uh, it keeps biting me in the butt over and over again. So I'm going to try this new thing. I'm going to start yielding to this righteousness stuff. Because as I start yielding to it, I'm going to learn about it. And, get it. and more importantly, I'm not going to have any condemnation anymore. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be all, all, all overwhelmed and guilty and shame. I'm going to start seeing some, some, some real life start coming in, which will motivate you to do it better and more often. Right? So yes. we're going to yield unto righteousness and holiness. For when you were the servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. You didn't know anything about righteousness when you, were, when you were servants of sin. But fruit you had then in those things which now you're ashamed, for the end of those things was death. But now, being made free from sin, liberated from sin... And to become servants to God, you have your fruit and holiness. This, by the way, this fruit, you can eat. Fruit of holiness, and the end is everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift, the gift of God is eternal life and liberation through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Chapter 8, verse 1. Thou, there is therefore no condemnation of them that are in Christ Jesus. 
who are not are walking in the newness of life, but not walking after the flesh, but walking in the spirit, which is the newness of life. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free, liberated me from law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God setting his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, he condemned the sin in the flesh. He did it. And then he said, just believe in me. I'll shed my blood for your sins and my blood will cover your sins and you'll be good to go. But you can't be good to go to go back out and be sinful. You've got to be good to go to walk with me, right? Which would be our reasonable service as we talked about. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. But they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh. But they that are after the spirit, the things of the spirit. So let me just tell you, I just went back and said, what are you going to yield to? When you've been yielding to the flesh, you've been having the flesh. And it goes there. But now that you're going to start yielding to the spirit or to the life side, as you do that, you're going to start having the reward. It's going to be exciting for you because you're not going to have the shame and the guilt and all that stuff. It's going to liberate you. For to be carnally minded is death. In other words, to, to say you're a, a Christian and doing the wrong thing is death. To be spiritually minded is life and peace. But the carnal mind has enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can it be. So then they that are of the flesh cannot please God. Cannot, cannot please God. Well, then if I'm not going to please God at the way I'm doing things, I probably either change the way I'm doing things or go out and have a heck of a lot more fun. I call that crap fun too when I was doing it. It was fun. Why? Because I had to talk myself into believing it was fun so I could deal with the fact that I did it. This is fun. You know why? Because I'm free. I don't have any baggage. I don't have any bondage. I don't have any regrets. I don't have any shame. I don't have any guilt. This is really fun. Being able to be the man of God and laugh and joke and smile. They said last night, she goes, I, I just love your smile and I love your heart. And I said, well, that's what Christ gave me. And because my heart's his. And it breaks my heart when I see people that are coming to get to know him and then go out living like I, like I didn't teach him anything. So, you know, I don't want to take it personally, but I'm, I, I thought I was a pretty decent teacher. Maybe I'm not. And, and so maybe I, you know, at times, well, maybe I just stop this because some, somehow or another, this, this is working. God will argue with me on that. My wife will argue with me on that. It's like, no, no, no. This is what you're supposed to do. Then why did you give me all the knuckleheads? Okay. Why? He says, who else is going to talk to him? Who else can relate to him? Who else can they relate to? I got you, Lord. I get that part. So woe to me if I don't do it, right? Yeah, woe to me if I don't. Not like I'm scared or nothing like that, but um, I couldn't live with myself if I didn't do what he asked me to do. He asked me. I said yes. And so what do I do? I do what he says day after day after day after day, not with any kind of regret, okay? This is an absolute blessing to get to do this every day. And what's sad is most of you take advantage of that blessing. You know, you recognize it, you see it in the moment, you get teary-eyed every once in a while, but you don't do anything to help me. I don't know what time y'all went to bed last night. I got to sleep last night. I got to bed somewhere between three and four. I was up at seven. And here I am. And I was work right up until the time I went to bed, so here I am doing this. As soon as I'm done here, I'm going to hopefully get a few minute nap before lunch comes in, and then I'm back up, back up and doing it again all the way through tonight. And this is my seven day a week rotation, right? With 24 hours a day, around the clock. Now granted, I get some sleep, but not enough, but this is my commitment to who? Us. You know, it's my commitment to God for us. 
Carnal mind is death, but pursuers mind is life and peace, because carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, neither did it can it be. So then they that are in the flesh cannot please God, but you, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwells in you, which, by the way, he gave you the spirit, so if it's dwelling in you, you ought to be probably tapping into it instead of letting it just sit there and get cobwebs on it. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Christ, you're none of his. In other words, you can talk about Jesus all you want, but you ain't got the spirit anyway. Mm -hmm. But here's the crazy thing. The spirit's in all of us. Every living human being. But the spirit of Christ, that means that's when he's, you're born again. He then downloads what the energy of the spirit of God to then teach you because it will become your schoolmaster. Right? Which I'll teach you in a minute. If Christ be in you, the body is dead because of sin. In other words, you don't have to worry about yielding it. It's dead. But the spirit of life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies by the spirit that dwells in you. So he's going to come back and make sure we get it too. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be even compared to the glory that which shall be revealed in us. Oh, not revealed to us, but whoops. In us. I like that. So, the, for the earnest expectation of the creature, which we're the creature, waits for the manifestation of the sons of God. We can't wait for God to come back and, and the sons of God are the angels that come down with him. He says, I'm waiting for that to happen. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly. We were made, made subject to selfishness. Rights to ourselves. That's what the fall of Adam did. We were made subject to that fall of Adam. Not willingly. We didn't choose that. We were born in that. But by reason of him who subjected the same in hope and says, but I'll fix it. And he did, Genesis 3. I'll fix it. And then they waited 4,000 years for him to come to fix it. And in 2,000 years, we've managed to manipulate it into where it doesn't mean anything anymore. Because the creature itself also should be delivered from the bondage of corruption, the glorious liberty of the children of God. I want to be liberated from this corruption. Well, the corruption in the world is all the, the, the pride of life, you know, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, all the crazy crap that's teasing and taunting, taunting you and the enemy, you know, whispering in your ear. I'm going to be delivered from that corruption. I can hardly wait till all of it's gone. Not just in my life, because I have the same problems, y'all. He tries to talk to me all the time, too. I just ignore him. I like walk by him like he ain't talking to me. Well, I don't need to talk to him. And if I all of a sudden I, he can get me to stop and talk to him, he wins, doesn't he? I just tell him, shut up. I don't got nothing to say to him. For you know that the whole creation groans, travails, and pain together until now. Everything in creation is groaning. Earthquakes have multiplied to beyond, you know, even you know, beyond some comprehension. You know, and he says they're gonna they're gonna grow more and more and worse and worse till the end times. Well, that's what this whole planet's just having a heck of a hard time dealing with it, right? Yeah. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the spirit. Even ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the adoption of our body. For we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. So we're saved by hope, we have hope, but we're not, I, we can't specifically say how we're being saved, can you? I go to scripture and tell you what it says, and I can speculate a little bit and give you some ideas so you have a, a, a little bit of a, 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 an imagination, understanding, but I can't tell you how that's happening. I can tell you what, what we can look for as these things happen, then we'll get to see how it happens. Okay, watch it unfold. But there's hope in the fact that we, we have the ability to have eschatology, whatever it is, to help guide us and lead us. But if I can see it, why would I hope for it? Then I just know and say, okay, I, I know what's going to happen. I'm going to go sit back and do whatever I'm going to do, and I'll know exactly what day, and I'll just give my life to Christ right before it's over with. Mm -hmm. No, I live with hope in every, every day that I don't necessarily know, but I want to live in such a way that, that when it does come, I see it for as it is. Okay? Because otherwise I could be very easily uh, mistaked 
you know, are mistaken in that situation. But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do wait with patience for it. Likewise, the Spirit also helps us in our infirmities. Remember the infirmity? Right? The fallen nature of our, 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 our lives. For we know not what we should pray for as we ought, but the Spirit itself makes intercession for us with groanings, um, for the intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knows that the mind of the Spirit, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. So he's going to make intercession. He knows the heart of the Spirit inside of us and the mind of the Spirit inside of us. So he knows when he's speaking it, what it's going to say to us. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Verse 6. How may we speak wisdom among them that are perfect? Yet not the wisdom of this world, nor the princes of the world, this world, princes of this world that come to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, even in hidden wisdom. So there it is. He says it's it's a mystery and it's hidden. So I have to make myself available so that when it comes, I'll see it unfold. But it's a mystery. It's not something that's going to be brought out ahead of time. It's something we have to trust God for and live with God to find out, right? Wisdom of God, which God ordained before the world unto our glory, which none of the princes of this world knew, for if they'd known it, they would have never crucified the Lord of, Lord of glory. So if, if anybody had a half a clue, you know, they're, they're reading and they're teaching about the prophecies of Christ. And they're doing it on a daily basis in the, in the, in the temple, right? Yes. And you know, the people have Bibles, so these guys are teaching it. If they had half a clue what they were teaching, that they would see what Christ was, they'd go, hey, these guys match up. But they didn't. They were so caught up in their own arrogance. They were not caught up in a spiritual life at, at all. So the, the reality is that we're going to speak of wisdom. That if they don't, they would have never crucified Christ. They would have, they would have seen him for he was. And they would have, if they were really smart, they'd have stopped the crucifixion, which would have stopped what? The second coming of Christ. So if they really wanted to be smart, stupid guys, they would have not done what they did. But God blinded their eyes and he couldn't even see what they were teaching so he could get this process done. Quick. As it is written, eye has not seen nor ear heard, neither has entered the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them that love him. And I love him. I hope you will learn to as well. But God has revealed them to us by his spirit, he's going to let his spirit talk to our spirits. We'll know. For the spirit searches the, all the things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man save the spirit of a man? There's nothing that can relate to another man unless that man has something that's relatable, right? Why the heck did he do that? Well, I'll tell you how, why he did it, because I just did the same stupid stuff, right? So we have a spirit of man, right? But save the spirit of man which is in him. Even so, the things of God knows no man but the spirit of God. So the spirit inside of me knows exactly what God's doing. And he'll let me know as I need to know. It's a need to know basis. And guess what we need to know? Not much. We need to know that he loves us. And he'll never lead us, you know, leave us or forsake us. And he'll never lead us astray. Follow me. That's all we got to know. Right? Mm -hmm. Simple. And what do we want to do? Complicate it. And make it, you know, some, some uh, a hard thing to do. Or an impossible thing to do. And we've received not the spirit of the world. But the spirit which is of, of God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. That liberation. Which things we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receives not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can they know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet himself is judged of no man. When you're walking in the Spirit, you're doing what God's telling you to do, you know, you, you're not gonna be, there's no way you make a judge it. Why? Because you're righteous. So what can they judge against righteousness? If I'm right with God, judge me all you want, but your judgment's not going to stand. But more importantly, but because I'm walking in righteousness and I'm really living that life, I have the ability to help others, judge and help others find that righteousness for their lives as well. 
doesn't say judging and put them down. It's judging to help them through, right? Yes. For who has known the mind of the Lord that we may instruct him? Who's on that advisory board? Oh, none of us? Okay, good. So because, because we have the mind of Christ, and so the mind of Christ is going to teach us, guide us, and lead us into the things we need to know. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Who goes to warfare at any time in his own charges? Who plants a vineyard and doesn't eat that fruit thereof? Who feeds a flock and then eats not of the milk of the flock? See, I do these things as a man, or does not the law say the same thing also? For it is written to the law of Moses, you shall not muzzle the mouth of the ox that treads out the corn. In other words, you're going to go do this, you've got to take care of these things. If you're going to do it, you've got to participate. Right? So he said, don't, don't, don't have the, the ox treading out the corn and not take care of it, not feed him. Because you won't have an ox very long, right? The ox dies, then who's going to tread out the corn? You need the, you need the corn to tread it out. Well, I need the corn. Exactly, but you've got to give the ox some. Because if you don't, he's not going to have enough energy to do what you need him to do. And when he's gone, you're done. Well, that makes sense. Okay, so let's, let's make sure we make sure the cow's fed, right? Yeah. But see how simple God is? He knows how stupid we are. That's why. Okay? For it's written the law of Moses of this. For, or it says he altogether for our sakes. God cares for the ox, but does he not say this for our sakes? Yes, no doubt. It is written for us that he that plows should plow in hope. He that threshes in hope should be the partaker of this hope. If we're going to be the ones out there, we should be partakers of all of this. If we have sown into spiritual things, then is it a great thing that I should reap your kernel? If others are partakers of this power over you, some of your buddies, your pals, the world, the enemy, all this stuff has, has power over you. Nevertheless, we have not used this power, but suffer all things lest we should hinder the gospel of Christ. I'm interested in the gospel of Christ. Could I, could I straighten you out? Yes. Probably. Okay? But I need you to straighten out. This has to be your choice, not, not my choice forced upon you. Right? Yes. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? They which wait at the altar are partakers or partners with the altar? Even so, has the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel? We best practice what we preach, right? But I have not used none of these things, neither have I written these things that it should be done to, unto me. For it were better for me to die than for any man should take, make my glory void. It'd be better for me to die than somehow another ruin my relationship with God. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For the necessity is laid upon me. Woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. Hmm. Imagine that's in our verses, right? Mm -hmm. Now, turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. Verse 7. But of the manifestation of death, written and engraved on stones was glorious, the commandments, so that the children of Israel could not steadfastly behold the face of Moses for the glory of the countenance, which his glory was to be done away. So the glory came and was done away with, but it still caused them not to be able to look at the face of Moses. How should we then, not the ministration of the Spirit, be rather glorious? For if the ministration of condemnation be glory, much more does the ministration of righteousness exceed in glory. For even that which was made glorious had no glory in this respect by the reason of the glory that excels. So even though the Ten Commandments had some glory, they had nothing compared to what the Spirit of God's got, right? For if that which was done away was glorious, much more that which remains is more glorious or glorious still. Seeing that you have such a hope, we use a great plainness of speech and not as Moses, but as a put a veil over his face, but as the children of Israel could not steadfastly look to the end of that which was abolished. 
But their minds were blinded, for until the, this day remains the same veil untaken away from the reading of the Old Testament, which, shall, which veil is done away in Christ. But even unto this day, when Moses is read, the veil is upon their heart. Why? They still don't see the, they still don't see the verses about Christ, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the Lord is that spirit. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is what? Liberty, Liberty freedom. But we all, with an open face beholding as in a glass, the glory or mirror, the glass of the glory of the Lord, are changed in the same image from glory to glory. We're changed from glory to glory into his likeness. Even as by the Spirit of the Lord, the Spirit of God's going to make sure we're changed in his likeness. Right? Galatians chapter 2. Everybody awake? Yes. Sir. Yeah? No, 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 you stand up with jumping jacks? No. Yeah. Y'all talking about running with me? How you gonna run with me? You couldn't keep up with me for a minute. I'm pretty sure I'm over anybody in here. At least. Galatians chapter 2, verse 16. Knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, by the faith of Christ. Even we have believed in Christ that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. Not my faith, but his faith. And not by the works of the law, for by the works of the law shall no flesh ever be justified. But if, while we seek to be justified by Christ, we ourselves found sinners, is therefore Christ the minister of, of sin? God forbid. No, no, no. If we're stupid enough to get caught up again in it, it's not his fault. For if I build again, if I, if I build again the things which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. Which is my point. Broke free from all this stuff and made yourself transgressors again. Here we are. For through the law, I am dead to the law, that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, yet I live. Yet still not I. But Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live it by the faith of the Son of God. Many versions are going to say faith in. Well, if we had a faith of a mustard seed, we could tell a tree to go jump in the ocean of wood. So our faith stinks, okay? We're working on growing up our faith, and that's why it's called milk. But the faith of Christ is solid, and my faith is going to have to be in his faith. So I am given time and grace in making a way where there is no way for my faith to go from milk to meat where I can be a meat eater and have the faith, a man of faith, a life of faith, the measure that he give to me. But before he can give it to me and I can use it, I need to know how to use it, right? Yeah. Well, how many of us are practiced up in faith? Not much. So let's use the faith of Christ to get practiced up in our faith, right? Mm -hmm. Who loved me and gave himself for me? <clears throat> I do not frustrate the grace of God. Those I don't get in the way. If righteousness came by the law, then Jesus was dead in vain. 